You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. On fourth and five, Jones steps up, takes off, he's in, touchdown! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump. Happy, uh, happy training camp. We are barreling along towards which looks more and more like we might actually start an NFL season. Yeah, so, I'm so, so, so far, excited, actually. nothing but good news, really. Um, the NFL has actually kept its positive tests uh, relatively low. Um, we did see some scares with some false positive tests. The, the, the first one I saw was actually, I was watching Hard Knocks, and Rex Ryan's son uh, came up as a false positive, and uh, that was corrected, I think, the next day or two days later when they reran his stuff or whatever. Um, but then over the weekend, there was a huge mishap somewhere at a, at a lab in New Jersey where like 76 samples were screwed up and a bunch of teams had to stop practice. Um, thankfully, it appears they were all... All 76 cases were false positives, which is good news. Um, That's just credible incompetence, though. I mean, I for mean, something to look that bad. So th- this is all part of the, the thing. Uh, th- the main thing about this th- the COVID world that we are currently living in is that we don't know that much about it. And the rapid tests that are being used, the, the NFL is using a mix of rapid and regular testing. Um, the rapid tests are not perfectly accurate. Um, something something happened, but remember, all of these all thirty two organizations inside and out are getting daily tests. I mean, there's just the, the magnitude of tests being added into what was already the regular, you know, amount of tests nationwide is being added into these labs. You know, obviously there should not be an issue like this ever, but. It's not overly surprising that something happens that screws something up like that. And this is just part of the thing that sports are going to have to deal with. Yeah, there's really, you know, this is an imperfect world. This season, if it's going to happen, is going to have hiccups that are beyond the control of what happens on the field. And I just hope that everybody just remains cautious and moves forward, not just like, dismissing bad reports of you know false positives or anything and just kind of follows through and retests again because as soon as they get complacencies we we're going to have real problems absolutely yeah and the other thing too is you have to remember this is probably the safest time of the year for the season uh when everybody's in training camp and you you know the team is together they're not out into the rest of society right now you know they're they're in camps they're they're all together. I mean, there's a better chance maybe that it kind of spreads within the team, but the the chances of virus being introduced to a team is at its lowest point. As soon as training camp and people start going back to their homes and you know going out and doing the things, is that's when there's a bigger potential for this to spread. But for right now, it really should be as it's going to be as close as a bubble as you're going to have in the NFL this year. Yeah, um, I, I you know. I think that um, it, it appears that everything is being handled pretty well. 
Um, I'm feeling very optimistic about the season. I'm not saying there won't be hiccups, but I don't. I don't think there's going to be a season-ending catastrophe anymore. Uh, things seem to we we know a lot more now. Uh, we have we have examples with other sports making this work, even baseball uh, operating outside of a bubble, and uh, the players that are opting in this year, you know, are at least appearing to be holding each other accountable. Um, and uh, not that we would hear much of it, but there doesn't appear to be much griping or anything of that nature. I mean, it's just guys who want to work. So, oh, I I would say we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in the future. I I think. Kind of what you're saying makes sense that in this present environment, the way things are and the way the current state of the virus itself, I think we're safe to probably get started. But who knows what's going to happen in a month from now or well, two yeah, months. Well, yeah, once it starts getting cold too, I, you know, things are going to get yeah. a little wacky. But um... so I think, though, that my confidence level that the season will start is definitely higher and higher because I think they've done everything they can and what they're doing is – as effective as they're going to be. The, the league is accepting some tolerance of risk that some people might get it. They have, you know, protocol in place to remove them immediately, um, and they're going to go forward. Uh, you know, there isn't the fear of back in March when one person gets it, like in the NBA, that you shut the league down. Right. That's They're beyond that fear factor. Um, they've set tolerances of, of you know, a, a risk pain and, I think they're. I think they're going to move forward. Um, we'll have to see. I don't think every team has decided if they're going to have no fans or some fans or, or what. So that's going to be a little bit of an imbalance around the league. But I don't think anybody should gripe and bitch and moan this year because we're lucky to have anything. We're lucky we have anything. And you know, if you know, Giant Stadium has no fans and Washington has forty thousand and it's a a, a competitive advantage for them. You know, sucks, but. Hey, we'll deal with it. This the away year. game is going to be an away game anyway. You know, I, I, it it would be the same competitive advantage it always. Would. It just means that you know, at home the Giants would have no competitive advantage. That that same competitive advantage. You know what I'm saying? So you know, it's not it, you're never really at a disadvantage with it. So whatever. yeah, well, I mean, just like you know the. The the on the 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 in stadium experience is going to be different from from place to place. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but again, people should be fans should be happy that there's anything at all. I know I am thrilled. Um, even just watching these training camp videos is really nice to just break up my my day. Um, and speaking of that, we'll, we'll get our first taste of everything. This Saturday at 6 p.m., the Giants are actually hosting their – um, hosting their uh, – broadcasting their intra-squad scrimmage. Uh, they will do a, a blue versus white scrimmage in MetLife Stadium, I believe, and it's going to be broadcast on NBC, which is pretty sweet. So August 29th, 6 p.m., I will be watching what looks like football. You know, interesting, you know, we're going to talk about this in a second, that – you know, the media, the the beat writers are not allowed to comment either in real time or after the fact on a lot of aspects on what's going on in practice. Mm-hmm. However, the Giants will be broadcasting a scrimmage for the world to see. So that's interesting how they're, you know, in one sense that, you know, there's a, 
a shroud of secrecy that's being imposed by the Giants, not by the league, but by the Giants. But at the same point, let's, you know, let's unzip our fly and show everything to the world in, in, a, in a scrimmage situation. So I'm not really sure what the, the rules are for the beat writers for the Giants, but I can tell you that it's not every team in the league right now. And uh, there are different sets of rules for the teams that are doing it. It's just it's in, it's entirely, you know, team based. And uh, the Giants beat writers have taken it all in stride. They have just reported as they were. The depth chart is the main thing that I'm seeing that is not allowed to be reported. Um, you know, who's working with ones, twos, and threes is something that I usually pay. I would think more than just me pays a lot of attention to. Um, you know for what we can expect to be the starters this year. And, you know, with with the Giants this year, there's all sorts of questions about that, especially, you know, at right tackle with Nate Solder out for the year, really leaves it up for grabs between, you know, Matt Parrott or Cam Fleming or Nick Gates at right tackle. We have no idea who's working with the ones, how often they're switching, any of that. Um, I, I say that the Giants beat writers took it all in stride because the Packers beat writers had a near revolt over their rules. Um, there were a lot of snarky-ass tweets t- uh, sent out by the beat writers who would normally be covering this kind of information. They are, you know, whatever. I guess just upset that they're covering almost nothing at this time. I, I get it, but... Well, you got to remember, Green Bay is a different place than New York when it comes to football. And, you know, True. the Giants have a, you know... They have a big fan base. They have a passionate fan base. But New York Giant football is not weaved into the fabric of New York City like the way the Packers are in the town of Green Bay in the state of Wisconsin and for a lot of the Midwest. I mean, it's a whole different animal. It's like it's like how the Steelers are to Pittsburgh. I mean, it's uh, – so when you're taking away, it's not just, you know, you know, the 80,000 Giant fans and those who watch on TV want their information. It's kind of like, you know, people's aunts and uncles and grandmothers are asking, you know, who's the left tackle going to be? Mm-hmm. You don't get that with the Giants, you know, as much or most other teams in the league. So they are under probably a lot more pressure to, you know, produce information and probably a, a fan base in a, in, a, in a you know society that wants it more than we do, too. So I can definitely see that. Yeah. I, my question to you, Grump, is: Is all of this, you know, these these blackouts are being imposed by the teams and the restrictions on what's being allowed to be tweeted out or reported or anything? Is that necessarily a bad thing? I mean, you know, it sucks for the fan who wants more information, and it sucks for the podcasters who honestly have nothing to say today because we don't really know anything. But from a team standpoint, and if you're a fan of that team. Is it better to kind of keep everything, you know, close to the vest as possible? So, you know, when you get to week one, you know, the other team doesn't really necessarily know what's coming at them. Or, you know, is it a competitive advantage for when the when cutdown day comes? You know, you're catching teams by surprise who's available. I'm just not such so sure that it's automatically a horrible thing that, you know, these blackouts are being imposed. No, I mean, I think it's almost like a null. I mean... It'll directly affect with no preseason. It will directly affect week one. I mean, come week two, what we're what we're gonna see is teams looking at week one film anyway. Uh, 
you it's know, true. Uh, as far as cut down day, sure, I think that maybe teams won't get a head start on who might be getting cut. But you know, these are these are NFL uh, front offices that are doing their homework on the one thousand. So, what, how many players there are? Uh, Three thousand players that are floating around. Ninety times thirty-two, so yeah, three thousand roughly. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they're doing their homework on these guys anyway. They've already done their homework on most of these guys, you know, in in the past. Uh, and they're they're all over the waiver wire. They know the 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 moment that the waiver wire is open, and uh, these cuts are happening. They have guys working on this, so I don't. I don't think that it really makes a big difference there. I mean, they can't do advanced work on guys and really fit them into their roster ahead of time. But I, I, I just, as far as whether it's a good or bad thing, I, it's it's. I guess it's good depending on uh, what your first week is. That's about it. <laughs> well, I think also you got to remember, you know. What is what is your organization, and you know what is the culture of your team? Now, Joe Judge is coming. He has been schooled as a coach by you know two of the best coaches of all time, and Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, and they are both notoriously known for again keeping things very close to the vest, closed practices. Um, you know, Bill Belichick is all about you know. Videoing other teams, but keeping his own stuff very, very you know, you know, close, close to the best as well. So, you know, this doesn't surprise me as much that the Giants be one of these teams that's going to restrict access and information because you know just that's where Joe Judge comes from. So I, this makes total sense to me. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Really, it, I'm not going to jump to that conclusion necessarily. Like, I, I think that Joe Judge's. Uh, personality with the media of keeping things fairly tight-lipped, you know, revealing only what he wants to reveal. You know, we were talking about months ago where he wouldn't mention any players by name. And by we, I mean the media. I don't think we ever talked about this. But, you know, he refused to really mention a single Giants player by name when he was talking about, you know, what was the plan going into the year and all this other stuff. You know, I, I think maybe we'll see a lot of that from him as far as these practice rules i i don't know that we're going to see these carry over into the next year this um, i think this year is unlike any other year ever yeah. and i think you have the double whammy for this team of having a whole new coaching administration trying to put a new culture in like i said before i mean it, you know the reports of how it was very lax you know, rules lax and, you know, country club training camps and stuff and everything. No, the, there's a new sheriff in town here. And then you throw in, you know, the corona situation, how everything is on it, on it's standing on its head right now. Um, you know, everybody adapts. And, and as your culture is put into place, things become more, you know, not so extreme. I mean, look, compare Tom Coughlin's first year to like his fifth or sixth year. You know, wasn't as much of a hard ass, but he had to be a hard ass at first to change the culture and establish himself that he was the boss. It's always easy to it, it, it's always easy to start as hard as you can go, 
and then ease up rather than start off chill and then push on things. That's why, you know, guys, it, it, some coaches fail at it who are like been in the organization and get promoted that, you know, a lot of coaches employ that good cop, bad cop where, you know, the head coach is the dick and the coordinator might be the nice guy who's kind of like the, the yin to the yang. Um, you know, Ben McAdoo, I think, was thought of as a player's guy, and then we had time to be coach. You know, maybe lost a little bit. or never had that next level of respect. You know, at the end of the day, coaches get respect by their pedigree, by their record, by the success they produce. But I think if you grab attention, and as long as you're fair, I think you can be a real hard ass. I think... Some coaches, I'll go back from experience of mine, like Urban Meyer at Florida was, you know, there was definitely reports that he was not, you know, fair, where there was a star treatment, where, you know, the better players got, you know, a little more, the rules were different for them. And, you know, I think if you if you have Saquon Barkley having to run these penalty laps. Daniel, Daniel Jones Hill, as well. As the same as, you know, the 90th guy on the roster, I think. Players respect fairness. You know, they're not all, you know, lazy prima donnas like a lot of people think they are because they make a lot of money. I think if, it, if uh, you know, uh, discipline is doled out in an honest, you know, fair way, I think, I think it works a lot longer. I think everything has a shelf life. I mean, I, even Coughlin, you know, was a shell of what he was when he first started because, it, you know, at some point you get tuned out. And maybe the Giants are lucky because they have a very young team. You know, they have a they don't have the situation Coughlin did. Like he came in with a guy like Strahan and a Tiki Barber who were, you know, barn bosses already when he got there. So this is a, probably a good time for him to put down the lay, the the law of the, of the land right now and, and go from there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, the the Sterling Shepherd and um, I mean, you think about the guys on this team who who have the potential to be those like Strahan type people. Shepard got his contract extension, you know, with a prior regime. Well, I mean, he got it with Dave Gettleman, but with a prior coaching staff, you know, that's not even close to comparable. Yeah, no, I mean, those guys were like larger in life figures. I mean, those yeah. guys had legitimate NFL success. Well, he's in, in the a, Hall of Fame, so. Yeah, in a locker room for years and years, <clears throat> you know, they are – True, they were true team captains. Mm-hmm. Certainly, Shepard is a guy who's been here for a while and he's decent. Yeah, but... no, I, I agree. Yeah, it's it's not even the same stratosphere. So you're right. Yeah, I think he comes in, and you know, even though you have your face of the franchise with Saquon Barkley, you have your uh, your quarterback of the future, presumably with Daniel Jones. Before he gets here, it means nothing because it means nothing. These guys aren't larger than life figures. Um, so this is a good time for this, you know, I, and I, I am fully in support. You know, I ran my lap when I, I accidentally locked the the cat in the closet last week. I, you know, I ran my lap just like everybody else. Well, I went to, I went to the, uh, the Players Association and uh, filed a protest for my lap, so I'm still under appeal. I'm not doing my just yet because I'm lazy. Well, get, get, get ready because even the assistant coaches are running laps. So, you know, it, it – I, I'm all about it. I think I think he's. I think so far he's knocking it out of the park for me. It all means nothing until we see him coach a game. 
but I mean, I can only grade them on what's happened so far. So, so far, so good. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, these training camp practices and what we can't talk about and what we can. I kind of just want to go over some things that are just good news, good things that we've heard. Um, you know, that Evan Ingram is, is, uh, Really turning heads in practice. He, he caught almost everything thrown his way that today. Um, this is good news mainly because he's poised for a breakout year. Um, he hasn't been healthy, so this is him coming off of injury. You know, this is a big deal. I think, regardless of how well he performs, being healthy through 16 games has to be like his like number one priority. Um, the best ability is availability. And uh, yeah, he's got a lot on the line. I mean, next contract, future with this team. You know, we all know what his ability is. We all know he can catch the ball. We all know is the mismatches he creates. We know he's probably going to be one of the biggest targets on this team if he's healthy. The question is, can he be out there for 16 games? And uh, he's got to prove that. So, you know, you hold your breath every practice to make sure you don't hear anything happen to him. And you know, I expect to hear that he's catching everything that's coming his way. I mean, yeah. he's, you know, from a uh, re- hand standpoint, receiver standpoint, one of the best tight ends in the league. Um, so that that shouldn't be much of a surprise to anybody. The fact that he's still playing, that's the cautious optimism that he can be, you know, a factor for the entire year and then going forward. Um, other news, uh, you know, we don't know if he's practicing with ones, twos, or threes, but Nick Gates has had several strong days snapping the ball. So it appears that in some capacity, Nick Gates will be playing center this year for the Giants. Whether that's behind Spencer Pulley or, you know, ahead of him, I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, Spencer Pulley didn't exactly set a precedent of, of you know, locking down a center spot, but we'll we'll have to see. And uh, I'm sure we'll see something on Saturday, at least, during their blue and white scrimmage. Uh, what time is that game on Saturday? 6 p.m. Um, I'm just keeping it with the offensive line, I, Cam Fleming, again, we don't know who is the right tackle that's gotten the most reps with the ones, but Cam Fleming has been described as the best tackle on the field at some point in the last couple weeks, and he, that he looks very comfortable at right tackle. Um, you know, I'm not at all surprised by that. Once Nate Solder uh, opted out for the year, it, it seemed clear to me that the duo was going to be Andrew Thomas and Cam Fleming. Uh, and it, I, I say that not out of um, default, but I thought that those two were going to rise to be the two best tackles. The, 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 best, the best combination of the line would have Thomas on the left and, and Fem, Fleming on the right. Was the comment that he was the best tackle of the group, or is this the best right tackle right on now? On the the best offensive tackle on the field was the was the comment. Does that worry you a little bit? No. For all of Andrew Thomas, you know, he's a you know best left tackle to come out of the draft, the number three pick. That uh, you know, I get it. There's a adjustment to the the pro game and everything, but is that something just to kind of pump up Cam Fleming more than it is to say, you know, that Andrew Thomas isn't, uh, you know, catching on as fast as he could be or should be at this point, or am I just reading way too much into that? No, I think that's a little bit of reading too much into it. I mean, this is going to be his first 
his first NFL action, Andrew Thomas, and you know he's going to get his lumps, especially in camp practices. He's going to screw some things up. He's going to get beat by savvy veterans. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a good player. He's not going to be starting caliber or anything like that. I think I think he's going to be exactly what we expect. He's going to, you know, again, have his lumps. He's going to make some screw-ups. But I think ultimately what we're getting in him is a long-term starter at left tackle who will probably be, I'll, I'll say, most likely in the top 15 left tackles in the league. Um, he's not going to commit a lot of penalties, I don't think. I think he's going to be a solid left tackle. Um, the fact that you know in two weeks of training camp he's not outshining you know a, a veteran swing tackle does not surprise me even in the slightest. Okay. Um, you know, obviously my concern is going to start to rise once I start watching the games. Once I you know the bullets are flying and Daniel Jones' life is at stake, I'm going to be concerned. <laughs> and, you know. And because, you know, we're reactionary individuals, you and I, I'm going to stamp my feet and get pissed off. But it's all to be expected. He's going to make mistakes. Let me ask you something. Let's put our – let's go back into the time machine back when Eric Flowers was drafted. You know, do you remember what the word was out of camp about him? Was he someone that was like – they were saying all the right things and all of a sudden it was like, oh, Jesus, what's going on here? Or was it like – He's coming along. He's a project, and it just the, the light never went on. Well, if if we're remembering correctly here, um, there was a lot of uh, leeway given to him, more than should be for a top ten pick, by the way. But the plan when he was drafted was to start him on the right side. Will Beatty that spring tore a pectoral muscle uh, in the weight room, and so Eric Flowers had to switch from right tackle to left tackle immediately. There was no other option, you know. Uh, so. A lot of, um, you know, he, he was given a lot of leeway for all his mistakes. It, it was never the plan for anybody for him to be a left tackle year one. Um, and I honestly think his first year was his best year playing tackle. Um, he just went downhill over time. And then that, that carried over. I mean, he shoved a reporter in the locker room in his second year. Um, there were They switched out offensive line coaches with him. Yeah. Um, and I remember Jeff Schwartz, you know, was very, you know, candid about, you know, this this dude does not listen. <laughs> he doesn't take, you know, he doesn't do any extra work to get better. You know, he he's the Miami guy. Yeah, I mean, pure and simple. Uh, I mean, you were with me in that draft night. I was not happy with the pick. So that's correct. Uh, <laughs> um, some other. Uh, things to in the defensive backfield uh, Julian Love is earning a lot of Joe Judge's praise for his versatility and signal calling on the back end which is just what we want to hear you know this is a guy who's done a position change in the middle of last year well I guess he he almost immediately was brought along to convert from corner to safety by the middle of the year he started taking some reps in in live games and uh, eventually was filling in for Jabril Peppers by the end of the season. So this is good. He's continuing to ascend, it seems. Um, and then also, you know, with, with DeAndre Baker, you know, waiting for his arraignment and, and Sam Beal opting out for the year, there's a massive hole across from James Bradbury. And, you know, we're kind of sitting here talking about Ross Cockrell, how he's in, then he's out, and, you know, what are we going to do? We have Corey Ballantyne. 
and you know just a handful of other guys. Darnay Holmes, who in my opinion is a better fit for the slot, uh, just given his quickness and and his size. I I believe the Giants also thought that they were getting a slot corner, but he's been taking reps on the outside. Uh, again, don't know if it's with ones or twos, but has been turning. I mean, I've been seeing reports daily about how well Darnay Holmes is doing in practice and in the scrimmage on Friday, the grueling scrimmage with uh, live hitting, etc. Uh, he came a, came away with an interception against Golden Tate, so that tells me he's was at least for a rep or two in the first team defense. Oh, not only not only in the first team defense, up against number one. Yeah, probably. Um. So, you know, it may be that he's pushing for the starting spot across from Bradbury. That would that would surprise me. I I didn't expect that, but. You know, he's taken the majority of his snaps in college and, and on the outside. He's taken less than 100 at the slot. You know, so it's a position change for him to go into the slot, but I think that he was better suited for it. But at this point, if he's cross-training and he's outshining what we have, then we should start the best guys that we have. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's they're positions that are completely up for grabs. I mean, through circumstance and through none of their own fault, you know, guys that were brought in that were – Lower round draft picks that might have been either projects or just, you know, development guys or whatever are suddenly getting the chance to get major minutes and be in the major rotation or if not being starters. So, you know, let's see who, who can step up and shine up. You know, we it's a new coaching staff that has fresh opinions on everybody. There's no preconceived, you know, opinions or biases about what they can do. And uh, let's see what happens with this. Uh Again, I still believe that the starting cornerback opposite Barry is not on this roster yet. I think they're going to pick up somebody off, the, off a, a cut down the way wire, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is not an ideal situation. I mean, it's great to hear that guys like Love are playing well. And maybe that's, again, coach speak or a way to, to, to prop up a guy. It's beat writer speak, really. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, I would take it with a very much grain of salt. And, you know, you hope for the best for this year because it's going to be a struggle back there until, you know, you can get, you know, legitimate talent, like legitimate starting talent where there's not questions about, you know, who wins a talent competition. Um, And then the only other thing really that I have uh, in terms of good news is Mr. Irrelevant Tay Crowder – has been looking incredibly good as a coverage linebacker. Um, I don't think I've said that about a Giants linebacker since they signed Michael Boley in 2010 or so, 2011, one of those years. A lifetime ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's great news. And so I made the mistake of, of – uh, Saying on Twitter, like, I, I just didn't understand why he became Mr. Irrelevant. You know, I had a fifth-round grade on him. I thought that he looked pretty good on a damn good team uh, in Georgia. And um, I think the entirety of Dog Nation replied to me. Because w- what I said was, was there something about his character or something? Like, why did he drop? And um, instead of actually getting an a- I mean, I guess I did get an answer about why. But I, I think the entirety of Dog Nation replied to me that there's absolutely nothing wrong. I'm going to jump in here. You're talking with a bunch of assholes, Dog Nation. You know, really, they are 
they are very defensive of, of, of their school. They are blind to all the chicanery they have with their recruiting. You know, they think their shit doesn't stink. They're the biggest bunch of whining crybabies about a multitude of things. So I take that as a badge of honor that you've offended. No, I, I don't think I. I don't think I offended them so much as they all rose to defend him. Even after I was like, "Okay, guys, I get it. I'm. I'm still even now getting." You know, if Dog Nation is getting their gander up on a podcast that you know is for New York Giant fans. You know, that just shows you, you know, the, the level of, of snowflakery that they have. So <laughs> I take that as a bad badge of honor to get get them riled up. And so, if they have any problem, they can find me at the Cranky Fan and I'll deal with you. <laughs> so I guess the real reason is because he's a complete position convert. Uh, he, he came in and it was just buried depth initially as wide receiver, then converted to running back, and then just completely switched to defense and went to linebacker. Where, you know, he just willed his way with the starters. Um, and, you know, I, I I don't have time to, like, do a, an entire Google search on every guy coming out in the draft. So I just watched film of him. So all I know is what I had seen. And I, I was like, not bad. You know, it looks pretty good. He seems to be in the right place at the right time. His coverage is pretty good. He has some pretty good timed blitzes. He's certainly fast. You know, I, I thought he looked good flying around the field. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't like wallop people like Patrick Willis, but you know, he he definitely stood out on film, speed especially. Yeah, I mean ever since Kirby Smart has become coach at Georgia, they have been recruiting like madmen. They get talent. These guys, you know, they're all physical specimens, they're all four and five star. How they get on campus, it'd be nice if there's an investigation into it, how Five-star quarterbacks are transferring to a school that already has two five-star quarterbacks. So I would check the student um, parking lot to see what they're driving for that. But there's no doubt that they get talent and they get guys with all the physical attributes. And uh, the knock for George has been uh, position development for these guys. You know, guys staying for four years, they're transferring out uh, maybe for their, their better path to the NFL. So... He might have been just one of those guys, you know, a man without a position that was just looking for the right place and the right, you know, the proper coaching from a position standpoint to to really start to shine. But if somebody came from Georgia, I'm not at all doubting their, you know, all their the potential that they have, you know, that may or may not translate based on the coaching they did. But you know, this might be one of those examples. I mean, I'm happy to have a high-character guy who had to switch positions and then pushed his way to become a starter. You know, I mean, Georgia goes out and they recruit linebackers. You know what I mean? Like, they get guys who were linebackers in high school and they beat the shit out of other teams, you know, 58 to nothing. Uh, And this guy jumped them by switching positions and and worked with his starters. I mean, that's that's incredible. I, I did not know that. Uh, when he was drafted and that's to me that means that his ceiling is even higher he's still fucking learning the position out there that's incredible it's untapped potential and that's our job that's our job and that's one of the things we can start looking at from this coaching staff to see because this isn't a team that's 11 and 5 just needs a little extra push to get into the Super Bowl this is a team as part of this overhaul and redevelopment and rebuild is going to require coaching and teaching so this is a 
if we want to kind of you know track this for the next year or so, let's see how his development is and see if this is something where you can say, wow, look at the look at the improvement in technique from when he first got here in July, and you know a lot of it's going to be reps. You know, unfortunately, these rookies lost valuable time in their development from April to now by not being able to do anything on a field. So, yeah. So, again, that's another another stack against this coaching staff. But we'll, we'll, that's something definitely to watch and see what happens. The last bit of news is actually bad news. Uh, Giants special team ace Cody Core uh, is feared to have torn his Achilles in practice. He had just signed a two-year contract extension worth $4 million. They thought very highly of him and what he could do on specials. I mean, it was on display last year. Uh, you know, he was constantly the first guy down as a gunner, pinning the ball deep. He was, I, I don't think he was a special teams captain, was, but was probably likely to become one this year, especially with the retirement of Zach Diossi. Um But this is just going to be another, another example of next man up. Um, and I think, you know, to be, to be fair too, I mean, special teams ace Cody core, he also was, I, I believe had more than one touchdown as a wide receiver. He was certainly getting reps as a wide receiver. Uh, you know, whoever replaces him is going to have to also be a wide receiver. So this is not by any means, uh, a, a no big deal. Um, but it's just something they're gonna have to deal with. So I'm thinking that the next men up that are gonna compete for the same spot are undrafted free agent from this year, Austin Mack out of Ohio State, and undrafted free agent from last year out of West Virginia, David Sills the fifth. They are, you know, it's a thin group to begin with, and every time someone goes down, you gotta dig deeper and deeper into that well. It's not good. Mm-hmm. So it sucks for a guy like him, for his obviously his career. Um, it just makes makes our job a lot harder, and it makes Daniel Jones' job a lot harder. Just you know, having to go deeper and deeper. So, yeah, you know, Joe Judge having experience as a special teams coach, uh, I, I do think that he's going to the, the you know the the fiftieth through fifty third guy in this roster. They're doing something on special teams. They're 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 not making mistakes on special teams and getting on the roster. Those last four guys, so. You know, David Sills was a standout special teams player at West Virginia. 6'3 with 4'5 speed at wide receiver. Converting quarterback, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, he he was part of that vaunted Will Greer West Virginia offense. One of the better West Virginia offenses I've seen in recent years. And um, Austin Mack, 6'1", also with 4'5 speed. Wide receiver from Ohio State. You know, everything else with Ohio State, their offense is a juggernaut right now. Um, it it could be either one of them right now. They're both looking pretty good as wide receivers. I haven't really heard anything about any special teams playing from beat writers outside of your really just Graham Gano. I haven't even really heard anything about Riley Dixon. So, all right. So I mean, right now, basically for the next couple of weeks, other than watching the televised scrimmage and you know the updates we're getting from the coaching staff, you know, we're really just going to have to kind of wait and see what's happening. I mean, it's a, you know, especially in a year where we haven't been able to do our normal off-season things like we usually do, you know, we're, we're thirsty. We're, we're, we're thirsty for information, and we're getting it in drips and drabs, and we're just going to have to, you know, like everything else this year, just 
deal with it and be thankful we're getting anything. Because again, if you listen to this show two months ago, there's a bunch of soliloquies I had where we weren't playing. And uh, I think we're actually going to try to get this thing started. So, uh, you know, just remember when you're complaining that you don't know who the right tackle is going to be, that there could also be no football. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the fact that I'm watching a scrimmage on Saturday uh, on TV is, should be testament that to, that I'm I'm hungry for more and more football. It definitely proves also the lack of a social life the other grump has too. <laughs> oh man, football comes before social life for me. So there you go. But that's why it's only one part of the year. The other part of the year, you're you're the dork watching, uh, you know, basketball playoffs while I'm. Uh, out living it up on, on a beach in Aruba with a, a lady under each arm, you know? Or at three in the morning playing video games. One of the two. It's one of those two. Gotcha. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week with, uh, I guess, coverage of the scrimmage and any other news that comes about. So keep it right here. You can follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump for me, at the cranky fan for him. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the show for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. Google Play, you name it, it's there. Uh, give us a free subscription, and um, you will have the episodes in first thing in the morning Tuesday. Yeah, we, we do appreciate you guys sticking with us this off season. We all know it's been tough. You know, we're you know, we're all here for each other, and you know, we're going to try to do some fun things when the season starts. So keep listening for some announcements we're going to have regarding uh, regarding the season and different uh, things between the Grump and I. To, can't stay engaged with everybody so that's right all right everyone we will see you next week go giants okay.